Praise the Lord. We have been in a series of messages that we have entitled, What About Now? And I just want to encourage you that that really, that phrase to get it down in your heart, now is the time. And we are the people. And this is the place of the moving of the Spirit of God. Because it's not by our might, it's not by our power, but it's really by the Spirit of God that we accomplish things. And especially in a day when it seems like How are we ever going to accomplish anything? It's by the leading and the guiding and the power of the Spirit of God. We can always wait and say, well, you know, after this passes or after the elections or after coronavirus, but really now is the time. We have to ask ourselves, what about now? What am I doing right now? Because whatever we're doing right now determines what will happen next. Whatever we're doing right now will determine what happens next. And so I just want to go to what we've used as our foundational text here to open up. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, Paul is talking. He says, we then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. But behold, now, everybody say now. Now is the accepted time, and behold, now is the day of salvation. Everybody say now. now. Come on, there's things that are going on right now. See, he, can, he says, listen, don't take the grace of God in vain. It's been said in an acceptable time. It's been said in a day to come, but right now is the time. Isaiah 43, verse 19, he says, behold, I will do a new thing, and now it shall spring forth. Everybody say now. now. He said, right now, we're saying, well, when that new thing comes, he said, listen, I'm going to do a new thing, And I'm doing it right now. If you pay attention and you begin to open up your eyes, God is doing something right now. See, God's working with us. We we just sang that song, Waymaker. It says, even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it. And we can sing that and get excited that he's the Waymaker and leave and by Monday go, well, where are you, God? I don't feel it. Where are you, God? I don't see any difference. But we declare that whether we see it or we feel it, He is moving. He's doing something, right? If we just knew as we get into prayer, and I I just remember as as all these things that that we're living in right now, we're unfolding the coronavirus, all the the things that are going on with the politicking and all that stuff, and it just looks ominous. And, and, you know, I came out of a day where it's just so much talk about it so much, and I began to pray, and it looked like right here, it's just in our face. But the more I began to pray, it looked like a thin curtain that, that God said, just, just reach in and start to peel back. And behind all of this stuff that the world is trying to present to us, behind that, God is doing some amazing things. That if the church will cooperate right now, we'll settle, we'll get into our hearts, we'll turn from our wicked ways, we'll do the things and put our trust in God, it'll start to pull back the veil of what we see in this world, and we'll step into a place where we'll see the church arising, the church being a powerful force. See, if we just look at the things which are seen, If we just feel the things that we feel, just see what we see. But God said there's something beyond. There's a place in the unseen realm. It's called that realm of faith. Norman Vincent Peale said this. He said there's an invisible reservoir of abundance in the universe that can be tapped by some spiritual law. In Romans chapter 3, verse 27, the apostle Paul said, by what law do we live? By the law of faith. Faith is a law that has its principles that when they're enacted, it begins to draw the unseen into the seen. 
Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. See, there's something that you don't see yet that it's going to take faith to bring it into the scene. Whether there's trouble in your marriage, you're like, I don't ever see this working out. Well, God ordained marriage. God can put it back together again if we yield to God. See, we're just stubborn. We want marriage to be our way. But if we just say, God, I want my marriage to be your way, not my way, all of a sudden he'll start to show you what it can be, whether it's there or not. Once he shows you what it can be, you can start believing, not for what you see, but for what you don't see. And if it's what God has planned and you trust him, he'll make that right again. You may look and see your kids aren't serving God. And what I see is, oh my goodness, they're, they're going the wrong direction. They're in big trouble. But when you begin to realize that your children are a heritage from God and you begin to pray for them and you begin to pray that God begins to deal with their heart and show them the future and the hope that he has for them, you begin to see your kids not walking away from God, but walking to God. When we can get that right now, we see God is at work right now. He's making, as it says, he's making roads in the wilderness and bringing forth rivers in desert places. Come on, there's things that are going on right now. And we've spent our time in the last few weeks talking about faith now, exercising our faith now. Not imagining faith, but actually exercising our, our thought life, exercising our heart, exercising our confession on things right now that have to do with four things. The blood of Jesus. What did Jesus' blood do for us? It delivered us. It forgave us. It healed us. It made us whole. Right? We just go through life. How many times do you go through life every day and never once think about the blood of Jesus and what it did for you? Come on, as a church, we shouldn't get through one day without waking up and saying, thank you for the blood. Come on, the blood right now, whether you realize it or not, the blood right now is sprinkled upon the mercy seat in heaven. And that's where we meet God for all of our trouble, for all of our future. We meet him where the blood was sprinkled because in and of ourselves, we're not worthy, but the blood was sprinkled that made us and gave us access to the very throne of God. The one who created us with a plan and a purpose and an eternal intention for our life. And when we don't acknowledge the blood, we don't acknowledge the place that we meet with God. That's the place where the sacrifice, not ours, but his, was made for us. If we begin to wake up every day and begin to acknowledge the blood and what the blood did for us, it washed us, it cleansed us, it sanctified us, it redeemed us. But it also brought us to a place where we could receive a spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. How many days go by that you don't even acknowledge I am a child of God. And if I'm a child of God, then I'm an heir of God. And I'm a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm not looking for everything that the world has to offer. I'm putting first things first, and I'm seeking first the kingdom from which I live and where I was born. I seek first the kingdom of God and the righteousness that he's provided for me. And all this that the world is working every day to attain, God said, if you put first things first, it'll just come in and be added to your life. But we forget daily to acknowledge that we're sons and daughters of God. We just struggle through life thinking that we're sons and daughters of a natural mom and dad. That we're just ordinary, but you're not just ordinary. Though you were born of a natural mom and dad, you were born again of the spirit of the living God. And what that did for you, it opened up a whole new life. 
And we believe that he is working in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. How many days have gone by without stopping and wondering, what are you doing in me? What are you changing in me? What are you showing me? What are you rearranging? What are you developing in me? How many days do we go by without even being conscious of the fruit of the Spirit of God on the inside of us, developing love and joy and peace and goodness and gentleness? See, faith every single day, right now, today, to think about those things, the blood, who we are, what he's doing in us, and what does he desire to do through us? Because we have encounters every single day with people that don't know Jesus. We have encounters every single day where people are struggling with the destruction that the enemy has brought into their life, and they're suffering, and they have no hope, and they have no way of knowing what God has done for them to release them. And the encounter that we have and what he's done for us and who he's made us to be and what he's doing in us, he wants to move through us so that the people around us can begin to know that there is hope. There is something different. We are not a hopeless people. We are a people who have the God of all hope living on the inside of us by his spirit. So wait a minute, Pastor. I'm kind of amongst that hopeless. I need something. Well, praise God. Today, I hope you get some hope. But we get get understanding and exercise our faith every day in these four things. We begin to know who we are and what we have and what we bring. And so the hopeless begin to see hope in us. Why? Because you're just like them. You were just like them. You were governed by the course of this world. You were governed by all the things that they're governed by. But you have hope. There's something different about you. You're not an ordinary person. You're a God man. You're a God woman. The Spirit of God dwells on the inside of you. He's changed you from the very inside of who you are. When people see something different on the inside, not just on the outside, how you act today, how you impress them with your your articulate speech or whatever, but they see something different on the inside, a strength that stands, a hope that endures, a love that transcends emotion, but is at the core of who we are. That faith every day, today confessing that, today acknowledging that, today believing those things sets a course of what will happen next. Today I want to talk to you about guarding against something that would seek to destroy that on a daily basis. Open your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews the third chapter. And starting in the seventh verse, it says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, everybody say today. Today, Today, if you will hear his voice and do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts. And they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily. Everybody say daily. While it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. 
I believe what we've talked about concerning faith and four things I just presented to you are incredibly important concerning the day that we face and every day that we face. But this is incredibly important in the days and the times that we live in. What he is saying is today, right now, you have to be careful that your heart doesn't become hardened. With all the things that we're going through, certainly all the things that we go through in life, but all the things that we're going through in our culture, in our society, all the things that go on, all the things that you hear, one person saying, another person saying, all the, 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 the diametrically opposed things that are going on, if you're not careful, in a moment you'll find that your heart is hardened. And having a hard heart towards the things of God or towards any person will cause you to diminish in your understanding of what God is trying to communicate to you. So he says the Holy Spirit says this and to understand what he's saying to us today, that God wants to speak to us today. And so we want to open our ears to hear, but we can't hear accurately what the Spirit of God is saying with a hard heart. You say, well, prove it. Well, if you'll remember when Jesus got in the boat with his disciples, he got in the boat many times. But one time when he got in the boat with his disciples, they're rowing and he says, beware of the bread of the Pharisees. And they all began to talk amongst themselves. They all began to feel like they were in trouble. Jesus is upset because we didn't bring lunch. Jesus is talking about the bread of the Pharisees, but really what he must be saying. Anybody ever thought what they must be saying instead of what they are saying? What he must be saying is, we need to eat, and you all, I already know this, you forgot to bring lunch. And so whatever they're talking in the boat, Jesus hears what they're saying or perceives what they're saying. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit. I'm sure Jesus was much more uh, astute than I am in, in his speech and probably had a little bit of an English accent and talked in Elizabethan English. But just from my standpoint, Jesus hears them, and he says, are you all kidding me right now? Are you really kidding me right now? Are you really talking about bringing lunch? You think I'm talking about lunch? And they begin to look at each other. We're in trouble for lunch, right? He says, did you just not watch me feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish? Did you not just watch me feed 4,000 people? And you think I'm worried about no lunch? What do you say? He said, you can't understand what I'm talking to you about right now because of your hardness of heart. See, they weren't paying attention. They were following Jesus. At the feeding of the 5,000, they had worked all day long. And they were going somewhere to rest. And the disciples were counting on a break. And so they were all going to a place of rest. And they're walking and, and, and going with Jesus thinking, whew, finally a break, man. This guy hardly ever slows down. We're, we're finally going to get a break. And I'm sure, you know, just knowing those guys, they're just keeping Jesus. Every time Jesus slows down to say, you know, uh, the kingdom of God is like, you know, because he was always talking about that. Tone. And they're like, we know what the kingdom, let's just keep going to the house to rest. Because they knew, and sure, in the back of the line of the disciples, they saw people gathering, and they knew if Jesus ever looked over his shoulder and saw people, they were not resting. 
And that's exactly what happened. Jesus looked and saw people gathering. He said, well, let's stop and talk to the people a little bit. And the disciples went, oh, my gosh. We're tired and we're hungry. So he talked to the people a little bit. And the disciples said, how are we going to stop this? This may never stop. We're hungry. We are tired. Let's tell Jesus the people are probably hungry and the people are probably tired. Let's send them home. So they did that. They came to Jesus and said, Jesus, the people are probably really hungry. They've come a long ways. We should probably send them home. And Jesus said, why would we send them home? So well, we have money, but probably not enough to buy food for 5,000 people. He said, well, then what do you have? He said, well, there's a little boy over there that has five loaves and two fish. He said, well, why don't you bring those to me? You just have to under the dynamics here because we get real spiritual and say everybody, you know, Jesus floated around, the disciples floated around, but they were ordinary guys. You say, where did their heart get hardened? Because he says, your heart is still hardened about the feeding of the 5,000. When you read it in all the different translations, so Jesus came, they brought the loaves and the fishes, he multiplied it. But, but when he was doing that, he told these disciples who were tired and hungry, he said, now you make these 5,000 people sit down on the grass. How many ushers would like to seat 5,000 people on the grass? Now listen, he didn't only say that when you read it. He said, don't just sit them down on the grass. Break them into groups of 25 and 50. How many ushers would say that would be after a hard day's work? That would be it. Come on, you just have to ask the ushers. The ushers can't get you to sit two chairs over, <laughs> let alone get 5,000 people to break up in groups of 25 and 50. So they do that, and then these disciples, not only once they get these people seated who are hungry, who didn't come to hear the disciples tell them to sit down, they came to hear Jesus talk about the kingdom of God. Come on. Talking about how your heart gets hardened and you don't even know it. So he feeds the 5,000. They have to distribute... Loaves and fishes to 5,000 people. And then they get to eat. They have a picnic. Who knows what's going on? Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. They get done eating, and Jesus said, now pick up all the fragments. And each one of the 12 had a basket full, and so they did that, and they're like, whew, can we rest now? And Jesus said, I'm going to hang back just a little while. You all get in the boat and go to the other side. Come on. They were doing their job, but they were waiting to get rest, and Jesus kept working, and they got mad. And when Jesus tried to give them instruction that would protect their life from the teaching of the Pharisees, they didn't even get it because they were still upset that they had to work when he multiplied the loaves and the fish. When you can go about day and get asked to do something you don't want to do and let it lodge in your heart and start going through the day and it'll take root and you'll have a hardness of heart and God will start to explain something to you and you won't even explain it. And most of the time you'll get offended because you'll think, now I'm in trouble. And you're not really in trouble. You just don't understand because you've allowed your heart to get hardened. It's very important that we guard today we don't get a hardness of heart. Why? Because God wants us to open our ears and hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Because what God has to tell you is something that's true. 
something that's real, something that's substantial, something that will lead you into tomorrow with some goods, with some power, with some wisdom, with some understanding to navigate your day. If we don't harden our hearts, but we open our ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. The culmination of the people that he's talking about, the children of Israel, They've crossed out of Egypt. They've gone through the desert. They've had their process of complaining. Now, Moses, in Numbers chapter 13, Moses sends 12 spies into the land. He gives them good instruction. He says, go into the land. I want you to spy out the land. I want you to see if the cities are big or small. I want you to tell me if the people are big or the people are small. Do they have, I know, are the cities, uh, do they have fortresses or not? Are they exposed or not? right? Tell me what the land looks like, the produce of the land looks like, right? So he sent them in with instruction. They came back to give their report. The very first report was, look at these grapes. I mean, the grapes that they brought out were like bigger than your head. They had to carry those clusters of grapes on a pole between two people. They're like, look at this. This is surely a land of milk and honey where God says, right? So then they start their reporting. There's giants in the land. It is a great land, but there's giants in the land. And I can see it right now when you read it. They start giving that report, and the people start to go, ooh and ah, new and ah. And Caleb starts to see the countenance of the people changing, and he, he, he butts in for a moment. And he says, wait a minute. It is a great land. We're able to take the land. And then all of a sudden, the other 10 go, no, we can't take the land. See, in a moment... They're processing what their report was, but somebody said something they didn't like, and they hardened their heart. And they quit giving a report of the land, and they started giving a report of what they thought were their inadequacies. They changed from, this is what the land looks like. And why did Moses want to say that? Because he said, though these things are in the land, he, was, he would tell them, God has given us the land. And he would take that to God, and God would tell him exactly how to defeat the giants in the walled cities, just as he did with Joshua. He would show him what to do now that the report of the land came in and instruct the people. But before he got a chance to do that, the people started saying, look at us. We're just grasshoppers. We're just lowly. We cannot, they ended up with this conclusion, we cannot do what God said we should do. And their heart became hardened so that God could not give them the land that he wanted to give them. God wants to do so many good things in our life. And he says, beware, lest today, today you come across somebody, you come across something, you come across some preacher that says something you don't want to hear, says something you don't want to listen to, and you harden your heart. Instead of receiving and believing, you harden your heart and say, no, I cannot do that. You don't know what's happened to me. You don't know how insurmountable the odds are. You don't know how much that pierced my heart when they did that. He said, I don't want to know what you think you're capable of doing. You already know what's happened. What I want you to do is believe that I can overcome whatever obstacle to get you into what I promised for you. And in this generation, God has a promise to his church that there will be an outpouring of the Spirit of God. If we look out and say there's no way, how in the world can that happen? We'll begin to get a hardness of heart. We'll begin to just take what is dealt to us every single day 
instead of beginning to see that God has a plan for us where we live, where we work, where we play. How what he's put on the inside of us is to minister to our family, to our friends, to serve in a local church body, to equip people for work of ministry. It's to go out into our community and be a light in a dark place. God has promised us this land that we live in. I want to talk just a little bit. We may bleed over into next week, but turn over to Psalms chapter 1. Say, okay, today I'm not supposed to harden my heart. Well, how am I going to do that? Well, there's certainly probably a number of ways, but we're going to look at a couple of ways right here from the psalmist. Psalms chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he will meditate day and night. Then he'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bring forth fruit in its season, whose leaves, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. How many of you would like whatever you do to prosper? Come on. Isn't that great? Whatever I do. Whatever I do for my wife, it prospers. She just loves me more and more. Whatever I, I do to minister in the church, it just prospers. People just keep growing and getting saved and growing in God. Right? It's not just talking about money. He said, whatever you do prospers. And we like that, but he says, listen, I can't get all that through to you if you have a hard heart. So the first thing, if we're not going to have a hard heart, number one, you have to watch the company that you keep. The company that you keep. He says, listen, if you walk in the counsel of the ungodly, right now there is so much stuff out there from ungodly people that's trying to guide us and direct us and tell us what we should think, how we should live, where we should go, what we should do. And he says, listen, you can never prosper in the things of God by living under the counsel of people who don't even know God. Come on. If you're hanging around a bunch of people who don't even know God and can't encourage you in the things of God, your heart will become hardened. You found, I'm sure you found this, that if you watch too much and listen too much of the back and forth that goes on, you find yourself just tightening up. You find yourself saying something harsh about something that somebody else said. <laughs> What's going on? The enemy's trying to harden your heart. Because when he hardens your heart, he plugs up the ears that he's given you to hear what he's saying. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. It's a real important statement. It says, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of him. 
Listen, he says, the company you want to keep is not with the ungodly who don't even believe in God. How is Jesus going to show up? But if you have companions that believe and have faith in God, Jesus is right there by his spirit in the midst of your company coming together. And listen, if the creator of the universe is in the midst of your union together, there is not anything that you cannot accomplish and cannot do. But it has to do with the company that you keep. Will you be keeping company with people who encourage your faith and challenge your faith and hold you accountable to living according to the word of God? Now, I got that last one. I know I shut everybody off. To talk about encouraging your faith and building you up. Woo, yeah, I need to find some of those people. Hold you accountable. No, no, no. See, but that's where our heart gets hardened is because we do something and then somebody tries to hold us accountable and we say, you can't. But once we get open to saying, you love me, Hold me accountable. We have people take us into promises where otherwise people would hold us out. He says you have to watch the company you keep. If you're hanging around with more people who don't even know God or care about God, then you are people who will encourage you in the things of God. You're going to find yourself becoming hardened to the things of God. Why? Because the godless will share their opinion of life with you without God. So when God comes and says, don't live that way, live this way, you're like, well, wait a minute, they live that way, and immediately your heart will become hardened to the things of God because of the company that you keep. Turn with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says this, but know this, know this, not think about it, know this, that in the last days... Perilous times will come. In the last days, perilous times will come. That word perilous, it goes really big, but it really means times full of trouble that are hard to bear. Anybody felt any trouble in the last year that you felt like it was pretty hard to bear? Okay. So listen, he starts to talk about why trouble and where trouble comes from. He says, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of what is good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Listen to what he says. And from such people turn away. Now listen, that really messes with us like, well, how do I turn away from those people? Well, we still love them. We still pray for them. We still minister. He says, but listen, you can't allow yourself to walk in their counsel and follow their path because from this, trouble comes. Now listen, take heart. I got pretty quiet. See, now, listen, I'm just going to tell you, I'm just going to pastor you, all right? If you're, grind, if you're thinking over in your mind right now, people who fit this that you're going to have to turn away from and so you're troubled, you're already developing a hardness of heart to God. God, I'm not going to turn away from them. God says turn away from them because they're hurting your life and relationship and promise that I have for you. No, I'm not going to do that. That will be hard for me. I can tell people are thinking about it because it's really, we could drop a pin on the carpet and still hear it. <laughs> Come on. Right. 
I'm just trying to help you. Who you hang around. Addicts know that in order to get free, you have to quit hanging around with certain people. It's just part of their deal. You got to change your playgrounds. You got to change your playmates. You got to change a lot of things. It's just the word of God. But listen, the good news is that in these last days, perilous times will come and we look and go, okay, we're living the last days, perilous times and people are doing this stuff. But we go back to Acts chapter two. I shared this in take 10 prayer time. So in the last days, you're going to have all this stuff going on because people are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God and all that stuff. But in the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. While this is going on, because people are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, God is going to pour out his spirit. And that's why the church needs to be ready to know what God is doing. Because if we're over there, when the outpouring of the spirit comes, we won't know what to do. We'll be caught in the, in the fashion of the outpouring with the world. But we want to be a blessing to those who don't know God, caught up in the outpouring of the spirit of God. Turn back to Psalms with me. Y'all doing all right? Didn't mean to throw you off there. Well, yeah, I really did mean to throw you off, so I don't want to be caught lying. He says he doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't stand in the paths of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. This is that word scornful, and we can look at it, but I like that I looked it up. It's a Greek or Hebrew word, and it means some pretty amazing things. But one of the things that really stood out to me is it said, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. It said interpreter. Interpreter. Anybody ever watched the news lately? Anybody watched anything where any of the people standing there actually said something to you? And they got done, and you're like, got it. And somebody else had to come in and interpret to you what they said. He said, don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Don't listen to all that interpretation. Listen to what God is saying. And then don't you try to interpret negatively what to others. Let God begin to work and move through you. So number one, to keep your heart from getting hardened, you have to watch the company that you keep. Begin to spend time with those who encourage you, those who will instruct you, those who will strengthen you and lift you up, hold you accountable. Number two, he says in order to keep your heart from being hardened, you have to delight yourself in God's word and in his presence. Delight yourself. That Hebrew word delight means to take pleasure in, to desire, to count as valuable. He said, listen, for me as a psalmist, the psalmist is writing here, he says, for me as a psalmist, he said, I don't hang out with the wrong people. My delight, my desire, my pleasure, my value is in what God is saying to me, not what everybody else is saying to me. I put a high value in what God would say to me. Listen to the psalmist who says this, and if you, if you understand this, and the psalmist just a little bit, huh, that was awesome. He wasn't one who never had a chance for his heart to get hardened. 
Listen, David, the psalmist, when every, all the family was brought in to see who would be anointed king, he wasn't even asked to the party. Then when he comes and he sees Goliath, he says, what are we all doing here? This is an uncircumcised Philistines. They laughed at him and said, go home. What are you, what are you doing out here? He had a chance to get mad at his brothers, but he didn't. He went and killed the giant. Then he's just ministering to the king. He's playing music that allows the king to be delivered from demons, and he's just serving the king and, and winning battles. And pretty soon the king gets mad at him and searches to, to kill him. So he's always working. You read the Psalms, he's always working on his heart. Because he'll start off and go, man, everybody's against me, nobody's for me, but he always ends in this path. Why? Because he delights in the law of the Lord. Psalms 19, it says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yes, than fine gold. See, he put a value on the word of God. He consciously put a value on the word of God. The word is more valuable to me than money. Kept his heart from getting hardened. Sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them is great reward. Who can understand his error? Cleanse me from my secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let your words, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. He said, listen, when I dive into your word, it keeps me out of sin, and it, res it reveals to me presumptuous sin that I would fall into except for your word leads me and guides me and directs me. I love it because it keeps me out of trouble. How often do we wait till we get into trouble to desire his word? But the psalmist said, I desire your word because it keeps me out of trouble. We're going to have to pick up here. Next time, why don't you stand up with me? I believe it's very important right now today. Today, whether you're sitting here wondering at this message, whether you go from here and the news comes on, whether somebody cuts you off in traffic, whether a fellow church member, you're trying to get out onto Highway 6 and they take off in front of you. Whether your employer says something to you this week, whether a bad letter comes into the mail, right now, today, and daily, make sure your heart doesn't get hardened. Because what you do right now, when that moment comes, if you allow your heart to be hardened, what will come next is you won't understand what God wants to say to you. But if you don't harden your heart, greater revelation of what God has planned will lead you into the next place. So easy with what's going on to get hardened about this or that or towards other people who don't even have anything to do with what people are saying they have things to do with. The whole atmosphere today is to try to pit one person against another, 
People who used to love each other and get along don't get along because the enemy, spiritual forces are trying to divide us on a daily basis. Can't let that happen. God has a plan for the church. It's not to be divided, it's to be united. We have to learn to pick our fights and they shouldn't be against one another. Today, if you'll not harden your heart, keep it open, God will guide you and direct you and show you the path in which you should walk in. Father, we thank you for your word. We do thank you, God. We set our hearts to delight in your word. Knowing as the psalmist said that as we delight in it, it will exhort us, it will lift us up, it will guide our path, it will keep us from trouble, it will reveal things in our heart that we can set aside before they work evil in our life or destruction. So cause us to walk in the way that you have for us. God, show us as we go through this week where we may have hardened our hearts that we might allow you to break up the fallow ground of our hearts and once again return to a depth of relationship with you and in that begin to restore relationship with others that has been broken because of our hardness of heart. Let us not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Let us not walk in the paths of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful, but let our delight be in you and the law of the Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you begin to minister to that every heart in life, that our hearts would be open, that we might receive everything that you have for us and walk in your promises. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning, if you're watching online, you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life then your heart is probably already hardened to some things that have come up, but God wants to soften your heart. God has a promise and a destiny and a future and a hope for your life. And he said you enter into that by making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. He said when you do that, any man that being Christ is a new creation, old things have passed away, and behold, everything has become new, and now everything is of God. He wants to restore his very plan for your life. He wants to break up what sin has done to harden your heart because of the brokenness and the destruction that has happened and set you free from all that, put in you a brand new heart of flesh that has relationship with God that he might lead and guide you in paths of righteousness all the days of your life. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you say, today's my day. Today is the day of salvation. Raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Anybody in this room at all, if you're watching online, I see that hand. Anybody else, you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? After you put your hand up, you can put it back down. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this one. Anyone want to join this person? Anybody online right now, you know it's time to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Let's all pray this together. If you raise your hand, just pray this from your heart. Say, Father God, I come to you this morning. I'm done living life my way. I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I believe that you died for my sin and that God raised you from the dead so that I could be forgiven and become a child of God. Thank you for saving my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. If you prayed that prayer for the first time and you're online, go on to the app. Um, something like tell your story. That's not it. They wrote it for me. Share your story 
and put your testimony there. I always get that wrong. They remind me of that. Share your story. If you're in this room, you raise your hand for the first time, altar workers will be up here. I would love to give you a small packet of books that will just help you as you read them. Know what it meant for Jesus to come into your heart, that you're in him, he's in you, has a great future and blessing for you. I'd love to give you that gift. Say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus? Far exceeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day. How are you? <laughs>